Well, well, no, but seriously though, well, hello folks and welcome to We The Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the U.S. uh, national soccer team. I'm Clayton and I'm a rapper. I'm Ty. I manage a web design company called Cantilever. And we're talking to Donald Wine. It's our lucky day. Hey! It's We The People. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Folks, the game was, nope, there was no game, uh, obviously. We've gathered here today because we managed to get one Donald Wine uh, on the line, which which is a major honor. This guy is on the AO, the American Outlaws National Council. Not easy to get there. Um, and he's someone who you who you may already know and love without realizing it. Uh, Ty, can you tell the listeners where they can find this guy's work? Trust me, at the, by the end of this interview, you're going to want to read this guy's work. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you'll you'll recognize him from from TV if you've ever watched United States soccer games on TV, all the way from the the Nats to the the under 13s. Donald is there. He there. He, he writes for uh, SB Nation covering. Uh, the U.S. teams on Stars and Stripes FC, uh, covering D.C. United on Black and Red United, and actually also covers basketball on the Duke Basketball Report, which we didn't know going in. So a multi-talented gentleman, uh, and yeah, quite an honor to speak with him. Such an honor. So as always, folks, you know, rate and review, blah de blah de blah at on Twitter at WTP Pod. that's Wilmer Tango Pizza. And uh, tell your friends, tell your friends. But if you do none of that shit, do what Donald Wine says. There's a clear call to action in this, in this uh, interview. All right, y'all. Let's dive into it. All right, folks. We are here with the one, the only, the magnanimous Donald, Mr. Donald Wine. Donald, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I will mention I am not the one and only Donald Lyons. <laughs> that honor goes second. to my father. So uh, <laughs> I'm named after him. So there's two of us. There's at least okay. two. Are you right, the only right. Donald Wine Esquire? Uh, I am, yes. Yeah. My dad is not an attorney. Um, so him. he has given he has allowed me to, Take that, to walk dad. that point. Yeah. <laughs> there's also a Thomas Donald Wine Company, which... Uh, unfortunately for them, you are more relevant in a search <laughs> of Donald Wine than they are. Well, they they owe me money because um, <laughs> uh, they're using my name. Or I don't wine. know what to do, but they yeah they they must they must be making at least twelve dollars. So I expect at least ten of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, so I, I want to kind of Donald. I want to give you a little background on you know how we became aware of you. Um, and like our, our history with the team and how it kind of intersects with, with what you've been doing. So I don't remember exactly when I started to, to notice you, but there was a distinct point. I think it might, it might've been like 2014 qualifying mm-hmm. where I'm just like, this dude is everywhere. Like, did, wait, did I see him last game? Was he, was he in the stands last game? He's in yeah, that was probably me. like, <laughs> who is this guy? So I thought, I figured you were, you were a super fan. I figured you were, you know, doing big things. And then I became increasingly aware of the work that you were doing with, with AO and, you know, all the, all the awesome stuff that you were putting together. And, uh, in particular, uh, had an experience in Nashville last summer, 
um, where I was there to cover the game. It's 9-11. Uh, Clayton and I are from New York. We, we were mm-hmm. two blocks away from the World Trade Center on 9-11, so that's a really important big day for us. And so I was in the press box. I was kind of like, I, I, I couldn't sit in the press box for that, uh, for that moment. So pregame, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. There's a lot of fireworks. I go down to field level, and I'm kind of soaking it all in. And there you are. Mm-hmm. And you're leading the I believe that we will win chant in front of however many thousands of people. And I just thought it was one of the coolest moments of, of fan culture that I've seen attached to this team. And so you became a big part of that memory for me. And I think there's a lot of people around the country, whether they, like, whether they know actually who you are or not, you have mm-hmm. become a part of the fabric of what U.S. soccer means to them. Uh, and that's, I, so I just want to express to you that, that you know, you're doing it right. You're making all of our enjoyment of the team that much higher and better through the work that you're doing. So thank you, first of all. And well, we're so I interested to hear that. Your, your story. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and on that note, uh, on 9-11, I, um, I had a friend who was in the 95th floor of the North Tower um, who passed away. So um, that day is obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's unique for you guys. It's, just, it's, I won't say it's special, but it's definitely a, a day that lives in all of us. We all were touched in some way by that. My dad was at, on his way to the Pentagon. Um, that morning when it, when it, that happened. So, um, basically affected here living in DC, it's always a moment that you kind of sit and reflect. And that was the first match I had been at a, you know, at a game on nine 11. And it, it's kind of surreal because we're playing our most, our biggest rival in soccer, mm-hmm. but this kind of superseded that. And that moment was something that I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that we were we were in it for the right reason, and but that we took time to make note of that solemn, you know, moment because that day is solemn for each and every one of us. So uh, I'm glad you were there, um, and it was kind of, you know, it's always an honor to lead the stadium in chance. But that day in particular was very special. Yes. So, what does it's a very broad question, but what does mm-hmm. that mean to you to be in in some way representing America? You know, you're you're going beyond just thinking about the team. You know, you're you're thinking about this as a patriotic act, and you know, t- tell us what that's like for you. It's overwhelming um, at times. It, it it me with great power comes great responsibility, and I'm not saying that to say I have any sort of power whatsoever. But the ability to use my voice to unite people behind a team um, is very special, and to be able to do that day in and day out is is something that I really enjoy. But at the end of the day, it's about the the fact that I'm looking at fans in the stands who it may be their first match, maybe their hundredth match, and I want I, I take responsibility for their enjoyment of the game, whether they're in our section or not. Uh, so when people come up to me after the game and say, "Oh, dude, you led that cheer. That was so awesome." If that's what they remember about the game, uh, if that's what gets them to come back, that's that's you know a battle won uh, because we need all these people to come back time in and time out. As we go forward, when we get to 2026, I want these people who are in the stands now to be breeding the future and their starting chance in 2026 is not just me. They're starting chance on one side of the stadium. We're starting on the other and we're creating an atmosphere that the world will remember. Uh, so I think that's kind of where I'm 
what I take into every game. It's, it's, it's more than just chanting. It's more than just uniting behind the team. Uh, but it's about breeding those lasting traditions that everyone takes, whether it's your first match or it's your 100th match. I've, I've Damn, Donald Wine. I got chills, too. Oh, my God. You got, we, this you've is got the simultaneous chills. Uh, <laughs> you, you're a special guy. Uh, for, for the listeners, if you're not sure who we're talking to, just Google the name, and you, I, I bet you'll recognize the face. That was my experience. Um, Donald, you, you've come a long way as a super mm. fan, but how did it all begin for you? Where did this, where did this fandom start? Well, I, I played soccer as a kid. Uh, I, I was born with a heart condition, so I couldn't play football, um, which growing up, that was the sport to play. So my parents put me in soccer and turned out I was really, 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 really good at it. Um, so that, that's one way to get you motivated to play um, is when you're really good at something. But also it was fun for me. And, you know, I played with my brother. My brother's a couple years younger than me. There was one season I, I, in particular I recall where our team scored 32 goals. I scored 30 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother scored oh, the shit. other two, and I set him up for those two goals. He set me up for like 15 of my 30. So, like, it was that sort of those sort of moments are like little, I mean, little things, right? We're playing on like a field that's probably the size of my studio apartment here in DC, but it was it was a lot of fun, and that translated into watching the game. And when I was growing up, you didn't have you know the the Huddersfield Towns and the you know Liga Segundas or two Bundesligas. You had Real Madrid, Barca, Arsenal, uh, maybe Leeds, Manchester United, and Chelsea, and Liverpool. That was it. And it was the big clubs. It was the Champions League games. So I you know, started watching soccer and just figured out as the internet took off, we can figure it out that I can watch more and more and more. But this United States passion, uh, it started in 94 um, with the games here in the United States. It's blossomed through then. But really what turned it into like an all-out passion or obsession, you know, depending on what day it is, uh, was my first match. And that's really what it took. I went to the first match with one of my best friends from law school. Um, it was us Argentina. And at the end of the game, it's raining, it's pouring, it's we're holding scoreless. And I look in the end zone and I see a bunch of fans just going absolutely apeshit. And I'm like, I need to know who these people are because they're having all the fun. And that's where we're sitting next game. And I found the American Outlaws. I found Sam's Army. I joined both of them the next week. Uh, and I have been a member of American Outlaws ever since. Hey, hey, Donald. Yeah. You know who is one of those, two of those fans? Was that you two? These guys. There you go. In Jersey, that so, nil-nil so draw in the rain. I was under the overhang and I was surrounded by Argentine fans, which was fine. Um, but I was like, yo, <laughs> there's the fun over there. They're having a blast in this right now. This is where we're going to be. And my friend was like, cool, figure it out. Didn't take long to find the American Outlaws. Oh, man, that's amazing. My, unrelated, but uh, Clayton almost got arrested after that game. I mean, <laughs> These things I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm not going to go into the specifics. I'm parted in New York, so I couldn't help you anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can neither confirm nor deny. So no, no, no. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you're, the fans of this team come from all different walks of life. I'm a rapper. Tyza manages a web design company. And you're a lawyer. Uh, do, do those two things ever interact for you? Do oh, they yeah. form okay. each other in any way? Yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, when with the American Outlaws, you know, I help with organizing and managing all of our chapters. We have over 200 at this point. And with that comes responsibilities like incorporation and, and dealing with the legalities of selling merchandise and stuff. And those 
little things come into play. But the great thing about it is that I can mostly separate my attorney life from my AO life. I, I tell people uh, jokingly that I'm an attorney in my spare time because most of my <laughs> time that I do sure. is, is focused. I mean, I the job that I do with as an attorney, I leave it at the office. It's very rare that you're able to do that. So I take full advantage of that. Um, so when I leave the office, I don't have to bring my that work home with me. And I can focus solely on growing the American Outlaws and helping manage you know, our chapters and, and making sure that everybody is enjoying their experience. When, when did you get formally involved, like as, as a part of the organization or the administration of AO? It was about 2000, uh, late 2008, early 2009. And it was right at the, it was the first match that we had in DC after I joined, which was the Cuba match um, back in 2008. And uh, a couple people approached me. Uh, I'd met uh, the founder, the co-founders, Justin and Corey at that match. And a couple of people approached me about starting a chapter in DC. And it was the, this guy, we call him the Godfather because he, he was the brainchild behind starting at Justin Coughlin. Uh, he was like, yo, you know, it'd be great if you were on board. And I was like, I'm in, what do we need to do? And from there we helped start the chapter. We, it, I was the merchandise chair, I was the membership chair. I was helping getting members involved and people involved in our group. We quickly became the biggest chapter in American Outlaws. And it was no testament that the people that are on the board that were on the board were instrumental in making that happen. It was hard work, uh, but it was easy work because we were selling the game that we love. And uh, eventually I took over as president, was there for three years and just kept working with that and helping out national when they needed help. Uh, and eventually they asked me to join. So, or at least the, the national committee uh, in 2016. So it's been, it's, it's been almost 10 years. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't even do math right now. It has been 10 years because we because he became official uh, in 2009. So yeah, it's been 10 years of this, but it, it's been, it's one of those things where time flies by and the work, it's not work if it's fun. Um, and so far it's been a lot of fun. And so, yeah, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of people involved here in, on this board. And yet it, it seems that you're the most visible to my knowledge, uh, which is, which is limited. Is that an intentional choice that's being made? Are you like the pretty one? <laughs> I can confirm. No, I'm definitely not the pretty one. Uh, <laughs> no, and, and here's the thing. I wouldn't call myself the most visible. Um, uh -huh. I, I'm one of those people who just, uh, I, I'm, I'm the guy that's like, you know, whenever there's a match, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do what's the work that's necessary to make sure that that match is just like every other match where everyone has a great time. And, you know, this is a line that I always take to heart. This is, it was a line that came out in 2010. Um, I'm sure you've heard it. It's, it's Drake's line from light up and it's, there's nobody working as hard as you. And even though I laugh it off, it's probably true because while all of my closest friends are out partying, I'm just here making all the music that they party to perfect synergy for yeah. what being a chapter leader is all about air, you air, are air. Making the party <laughs> to make sure that, and that's the thing I want to make it so that everyone around me is having the time of their life and that. Behind the scenes, if stuff is going wrong, if there's things falling apart, on its face, people don't realize it and they know that they're having a great time. They want to come back. That means it's a success. It's a success. So yeah. that is how I bring what I bring. And that's probably why people say, oh, you're very visible. You're at every match. But it's because I'm running around and myself, Brian Hexel, um, Justin Brunken, Corey Donahue, um, you know, Megan Brunken, every single one of us, Dan Wiersma, Ryan Rosenblatt, all of these guys are 
busting their asses at every game that they're at to make sure that everyone is having the time of their life. And we will do it to the detriment of our own fun because at the end of the day, if one person joins up because of the fun that they had, money well spent, time well spent, energy well spent. So that's how we approach it. It's fantastic. I have a, a related question to that. Um, I, I see you at some of these friendlies, some of these like StubHub friendlies where they're, mm -hmm. not, they're like announcing like 12K attendance and it looks mm -hmm. like 8K attendance. Right. But you guys are going crazy and making it work. And the, and you know, TV audio is basically just piping in your section. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious your take on those situations. Like how do you, how do you feel about some of these situations where maybe it seems like the Federation could have done more to bring people in changing ticket prices, making, you know, roster choices, et cetera. But you like in, in some ways, like you're more obligated than they are to, to show well, um, so, yeah, I'm just curious, like, how, how that makes you feel and how you deal with situations like that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into attendance issues or, or successes, whatever you want to call it, depending on the game. You know, um, they just announced this match against Mexico uh, that's going to be at MetLife. They're going to call that a success because it's going to be completely sold out, but it's probably going to be 79,000 Mexican fans and then our section. Um, and, and so those things, I mean, obviously we all have obsessions and, and everyone who is at those games, whether it be, you know, if there's, you know, 500 people in a section of StubHub where there's, you know, we're one tenth of the stadium uh, attendance or even, you know, these games where, you know, in, in, in France, for example, we were 80% of every stadium except for the France game where we were basically 50, 50. So, uh, and, and that was because people were excited about the games. They were excited about the team and they came out in droves and they stayed the entire month. I was there the entire month. There was people I saw at every game and we all celebrated together um, at the end. So I think in the end, it's about a lot of things, but being in the stands is something that we will do day in and day out, game in and game out. And the idea now is for us soccer and for us to, you know, expand our, 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 our approach and go at these casual fans the fans that are like, Hey, they're in my town. Should I go? Yes or no? Not too, oh God, yeah. not too excited, but yeah, it's cool. And, and there's a lot of things going on that. Some people are drawn in by the opponent. You know, when we have Brazil come in or Argentina, people want to see the best players in the world. And then there's some who are like, hey, I want to see what this team is about. I want to see, you know, Christian Pulisic play and Weston McKinney play. I want to see Rose Lavelle tear it up and Megan Rapino just do work. That it, we need to make it so that Come 2026, this is we're starting a building process for the next you know eight years or nine or seven years. We're building towards that fact. When we walk out, when the men walk out in 2026, that everyone in the stadium is there for them. They're there for the United States. They're not there because of who we're playing. Not there because of ticket prices being the right price or because it's in the right city or the right stadium. They're there because the U.S. is playing and we all are there supporting the team. And that is what we need to build towards everybody and. We take our responsibility. U.S. soccer is doing that, too. Some people may say U.S. soccer is doing it a little, you know, not in the right way. But everyone is a part of that responsibility. And, and I think that is where we, you know, are trying to branch out, bring in new members and bring in new fans. And even if you're not a member, we welcome everybody to our parties because we want people to have the experience whether or not they're a member. 
We love that, man. And we can really relate to your struggle doing this podcast. Uh, I definitely live the rest of my life on the side, especially during the Gold Cup, World Cup, simul, simul blast that oh, don't just occurred get this summer. Oh, man. So, um, but you touched on your, your France experience. Uh, how did that compare to any other World Cup experiences you've had? And, um, you know, how is, how is the experience outside of the stadium, infrastructure, getting to games, uh, hanging out with uh, fans of other nations? Tell us about that. It was outstanding. Um, this was the first World Cup. This is my third World Cup. I did uh, Brazil 2014 and Canada 2015. But this is the first World Cup that I had stayed the entire time. Um, I was fortunate that I was able to work from home. Uh, or not really work from home, but I was working from France. But I was working. I had three jobs going on back here while I was over there, uh, in addition to all the AO events that we were doing both here and at the Gold Cup. Uh, so it made for a lot of long days, long nights, early mornings, um, and, and trying to make things work. But in the end, I was determined to be there and see out the entire tournament and be there um, to watch the women hoist the trophy, which we did, which is makes everything you know really worth it and, and really makes the whole month awesome. I think the best part about every World Cup is meeting fans from other nations. We pride ourselves on reaching out and, and trying to link with other fans. Um, and this, is, this was no exception. We actually played a few fan friendlies, um, one against the French supporters who we played last year um, before the men played uh, in their World Cup send-off. Uh, we played the Aussies in a game. We tried to play the Dutch the day before the final, um, but they didn't show up. Um, hey, they, where you at, Dutch? I think they knew what it was. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think that's what it is about. We also played a, a friendly with uh, a bunch of refugees from an organization called Kabubu, uh, which was based in Paris. That was awesome because we got to really split up into teams. It wasn't us versus them. It was everybody mingling together, playing together, and learning about each other as we played, which is a unique experience that you can take uh, from any you know any game, much less the World Cup. So that is the best part is being at, being at the games, meeting fans from different countries. Everyone is in, in, embracing the beautiful game. Everyone is linked by that. You know, we are all passionate. I won't call myself the most passionate fan in American soccer, much less the world. But there's definitely people like me who represent other countries, and and it was great to meet people like that and to trade you know even trade secrets about. Hey, how do you guys organize your support? How does this work for you? Um, and try and you know, they take something from what we are doing, and we take stuff from what they're doing, and it makes everybody better soccer fans in general, and makes the game better. What do you What do you think the world looks like without soccer? It sucks. <laughs> it really does. Um, I mean, it's I, I love sports. Don't get me wrong. I love sports. I raised in sports. Soccer is not my favorite sport basketball is i religious sorry <laughs> mind blown <laughs> so and it's funny as as many soccer games i go to i go to just as many basketball games uh it's just that is but the sport is, is what unites people sport can you know can be can be a language can drop the language barrier on any court any field any pitch um I, i've been in basketball courts i've been on soccer fields i've been on baseball diamonds then in AFL or Aussie rules football fields that sport just kind of makes everybody the same and it, it eliminates racial divides. It's, at least it's supposed to, um, it doesn't always work that way, but it, that is what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to eliminate racial divides, language barriers, all that goes to the side. And for an hour, two hours, whatever, how long a game is, 
we can focus on the fact that we love this sport. And soccer, without soccer, we wouldn't have these opportunities. I would not have traveled to half the nations that I've traveled to because there wouldn't have been a game there to give me a reason to say, let's go check this country out and learning from those people. And, and some of my favorite experiences that I've ever had have been as a result of soccer. They've taken me to these places. They've brought me to some, meet some beautiful, wonderful people and, and learn about cultures that I would normally have never learned about in the flesh. Uh, it'd only be something you read about. So soccer really is the beautiful game for that reason. It has nothing to do with the, with the product on the field, which is beautiful in itself. But the beautiful game is about linking people from different cultures together. And that is the best part of the sport. Dude, Donald Wine, you got gems on gems, my friend. It sounds, <laughs> I got to say, it's, I'm wondering how you hacked life. Uh, you've got, you're, you're an enormous figure in, in your second favorite sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you see, you see me in my, in my favorite sport. You see me over there. <laughs> really? So is it, is it Duke? Am I remembering correctly? The show is okay. all day, so, every day, so twice I, on Sunday. Nice. So if I, if I tune in, will I see you in the stands? I'm at, I'm at a lot of games. Uh, I don't go to as many as I used to because, I, you know, as a student, you get in free. Uh, I used to lead the Cameron Crazies um, when I was in school. Um, partly how I got this ability to, you know, lead by voice uh, was leading cheers in Cameron, which is, as you guys know, is a, is a din of noise. Yeah. And it takes a lot to get over that. Um, and so th- that's how you learn. You know, if, if I speak, sometimes people listen. And, and that is that was where I cultivated my trade. And now I get to actually use it uh, in, in the in the grown up world um, in soccer. So I, I think and there's a lot of similarities between that. But really, that passion is what I carried over into soccer. I always had the passion for soccer, but I just needed an outlet. Mm. American Outlets have given me that outlet. Yeah. A broad question, but um, you mentioned how soccer, in particular, seems to to bridge divides and and you know bring people together. I think in our country we're facing a crisis of togetherness on on mm-hmm. many different axes: racial, political, uh, income, you know, urban versus rural, etc. And you know, for me, I, I I see the power that that soccer could have to help mend those those divides, but I also see how soccer can be in some ways a symbol of those divides that it's, you know, commonly considered kind of a white upper middle class suburban kind of endeavor. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious on your thoughts on like how, how you see soccer and the U S soccer teams playing into hopefully a a better future for the country at large and the, and the broader culture. Well, I'm hoping it allows people to kind of, put all of the negativity to the side and for at least two hours, we can talk about the passionate positivity that we all exude towards our national team, whether it be the men, the women or the youth, whichever game we're at. Um, you guys mentioned about my visibility. There's obvious reasons why people, some people consider me visible and it's because of the color of my skin. And I'm not saying that's what you guys latched onto. Mm -hmm. Please don't, please don't take it that way. But it, it is, it is why some people, come at me negatively because it's easy to find me. Um, but also I take it upon myself to make it easy to find me because you're going to hear me. You're going to see how passionate I am about this team and you're going to see how much fun I'm having in the stands. And I think if one person goes and is changed by 
the perception of seeing me down there leading cheers, um, then that this world is all the better for it. I'll give you one example. Um, at the semifinal in Lyon, we were playing England, obviously, and we had, uh, because it's FIFA, FIFA just distributes tickets willy-nilly. Um, U.S. Soccer gets some tickets. They basically had a couple sections. But in our sections, there were a few English fans. Um, and when they showed up, they were scared because in England, if you're in the opposing section, that is a huge no-no. That's never going to happen because mm-hmm. of the history of violence in that country. And the first thing I did was walk up to them and introduce myself and said, welcome. You guys are welcome in our section. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. If there's any issues, you just let me know. I'm right at the bottom of the stairs. And went back and doing, doing, started doing my thing. And we're doing chants all game. And I could see them taking pictures and videos and stuff like that. And just on occasion, they'd look up and just kind of give a nod like, you good? And they'd be like, yep, thumbs up. Everything's fine. At the end of the game, they came up and said, thank you. This was the best experience of my life. Even though we lost, we had no idea that soccer could be this fun. And we want to sit with you guys again for the final. And they were back for the final. Um, and I think that's, that's a perception. People think that soccer is all about hooliganism and you know, people being, you know, racist in the stands and, and, you know, or just being outwardly negative towards people on the field, you don't have to be that way. And I think that's what the American Outlaws are about, passionate, positive support for our teams. And that is spreading because the number of people who have come up to us who are not from the United States, who have commended us on what we were doing uh, was, was a lot. And that is exactly what we're, we're looking for because now they go back home and they say, guys, we can be better. Look at these guys as an example. We can be a lot better than what we are. And maybe some of these other racial divides, not just you know here but abroad, um, will start to fight. And those people start to get out of the game or get pushed out of the game um, in, so in lieu, uh, and basically in its place, positive, passionate support for their national team grows. Yeah. I tell you what, man, I'm I'm sold on your mission. Uh, if I wasn't already, I, I'm I'm doubling doubling down on anything that you and the, the outlaws are are doing. Um, just having had this opportunity to talk to you about it, you're really well spoken, and and it's inspiring. Honestly, uh, the work you're describing. How in so we're we're on this mission uh, going to 2026. Mm-hmm. What can people do who are listening to this, hearing the sound of your voice? Uh, what's your call to them uh, over the next four eight years to 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 help? How can they contribute? There's so many ways they can they can help. The first thing is, you know, start watching the games. You know, get people to watch the games, and it could be you don't have to attend the games. There's, I mean. Games, I get it. Games are hell expensive. I hate how expensive it gets sometimes to go. I mean, from people who live in LA to come across East for me to go to this game at the Rose Bowl is a lot of money. Uh, And I get that sometimes you have to make those choices. But starting by watching the games, gathering to watch the games, it doesn't have to be. I mean, we'd love to have people at at one of our chapter bars, uh, but uniting to grow the game in small batches in your hometown is the first step. Getting involved. How do you get involved? There's obviously ways people can do it. There's a lot of ways. You can coach. You can, you know, volunteer at a, a local soccer organization that is, or help volunteer with clinics, volunteer with a nonprofit. There's so many ways to get involved. And I think going towards 2026, the idea is that we get everybody 
together. We unite behind our national teams as we move forward. And, and to do that, it starts at all levels. And there's the one thing that I will say to people, you don't have to make it overwhelming. There is something that everybody can do, big or small, that will help grow this game. And don't think that what you have done will not matter because it does. Um, everybody is going to have a big part in this. And whatever your role that you decide it should be um, is going to help grow this game in this country. And for the for for those of us who are you know fanning out on this team, totally into it, uh, but find it hard to communicate that passion to uh, people in America who aren't psyched about soccer. You know, there's all these classic complaints uh, that Americans have about soccer: that the flopping, the weird stoppage time situations, mm -hmm. uh, the the lower quality in the MLS. I put that in scare quotes. Um, you know, what is your what what's your uh, what's in your toolkit? Uh, what do you say to your to your to your friend, uh, your lawyer friend who thinks that soccer in America is totally lame and we shouldn't pay attention to it? I invite him to a game, um, point blank. I say, hey, come to a game. Come to the bar. Um, I'll buy you a beer. Uh, my my buddy Dan Wirzma started what's called the free beer movement. You guys have probably heard of it. Um, and it's literally just get someone to the bar, buy them a beer, and and introduce them to the game. And chances are they're going to love it because they're going to under they're going to learn about those things that they thought um, they're going to dismiss the misconceptions that they may have, and they're going to see that the passion is there and that the like especially when we're talking about like flopping and stuff like there is when you watch the game sometimes you have to sometimes say hey look see that foul right there she actually got hit in the face she didn't she didn't <laughs> flop she got hit she got punched in the face look at the replay. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, these, you know, these girls are pretty tough. These guys are pretty strong. Like what I should watch them a little bit more. And really it's about watching all levels and, and people have to be, they can't be scared to watch MLS. I love MLS. MLS has come a long way, but people expect MLS to be the premier league. They expect a 22 year old league to be better than a league that has been around for 150 years. It's not going to happen right now. And but what's going to need to happen is people need to go to the local games. Go to the you know if you have a USL team in your or a PVL team in your neighborhood, go watch those games because that's the future of our game. That's what the that's where we're going to be seeing guys that could be stepping on the field in 2026. And then also just you know consuming as much soccer as you possibly can because that's how you learn. I learn something about soccer every single day. I mean, I just learned yesterday that apparently. Soccer, the, the soccer governing board thought that this was such a big problem of goalkeepers throwing the ball into the opposing team goal that they had to outlaw it, <laughs> which is hilarious to me because I've never seen anybody throw the ball 110 yards and it go into a goal on the fly. Uh, but now they have legislated that. So and, and, and I think I say that because we can all laugh at how stupid that is, right? That, that it's not it's not something that diminishes the game. It's something Can and we will, Donald Wine. That is a dumb rule. There, but, there goes my uh, Ichiro for goalkeeper plan. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, Bryce Harper could probably yeah. do it, but <laughs> now, Harper can now we'll never know. <laughs> from one, yeah, we'll never know in his second career. Maybe he's gonna have gonna have to play <laughs> in the outfield like everybody else. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that sort of thing. Watching the games, consuming as much as possible. The game, there's games on all the time, all the time. And you can learn from every single game something new that's going to make you like this game even more. Um, so I want to go on the field a tiny bit. Okay. You just mentioned the way that uh, 
a lot of the time you watch the U.S. team in particular get hit a lot in all regions of our of our bodies, and there's blood, sweat. We talked to Bobby Warshaw about the time he lost a tooth on the field. Mm-hmm. So these things happen, and I'm wondering how you we and we perceive that as a big part of the identity of American soccer. And mm-hmm. this is a common debate that happens in a lot of places. But what to you is American soccer? What's the American soccer style? I think the best way to describe the American soccer style would be the way we played basically from 2007 to 2011. That is no quit, all grit. We weren't the best players on the team, but we, were, we weren't the best players on the field. That's a team. <laughs> We were Our current great. team is not the best players on the team either. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, it wasn't. It. Yes, we had Clint Dempsey. Yes, we had Landon Donovan. But we also had Ricardo Clark. Uh, I mean, it's not the best at anything, right? But because <laughs> he was able to gem well, gel well with the other guys, he made our team better. And, and also, just the fact that it did not matter whether we were up to nothing, down to nothing we knew we were going to get a result because we knew that there was never say die attitude about those guys that step foot on the field. They knew that for 90 minutes and the world knew that for 90 minutes that if you let up off the gas, the U S would take you to town and, 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 and exploit that. So I, I really enjoyed that sort of style of, of play. Uh, and I think that's something that frankly is missing from the men's team right now. I think that if we get back to that, like, Oh, we're down to nothing. Cool. Watch us come back and get a result. Then we have to win every game, but the, the effort needs to be there. And I think for a lot of players it is, but for some it's not. And, and this is the prime opportunity for those, for the entire player pool to say, this is my opportunity. This is my moment. And no matter what happens, whether they think I'm good or bad, I am going to play my ass off for 90 minutes. And that's going to help this team get a result. And that's the mentality I think we should all have. I think it's it's a little bit of a culture clash too because the new generation that you have coming in were you you could say coddled in in comparison to the players of that era. You know, these are these are players who have come through good academies either in in the US, let alone in in Europe where they're not used to scratching and clawing and bleeding on the field and it's it's kind of a new thing for them. Like how do you how do you think we should uh, accommodate both of those things that uh, we have players coming through the Ajax Academy and the, the, you know, Dortmund Academy and so on. How do you get them to play with that intensity and that drive? Well, I think it's about discovering the history, reading up on the history. You don't know where you're going till you figure out where you've been. And I think a lot of worth, a lot of these, you know, guys who are now, they're my age and starting to leave the game. Uh, unfortunately making me old as hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're starting to leave the game, but they have that. They, I feel like they can pass that knowledge on. I, I want to hear someone talk to Gucci Onyewu about, you know, he to get for him to get on the team, he not only had to come up from where he was, where where he came from, go through all of that, crawl all the way up through the ranks, and then he had to get past Eddie Pope, which is the greatest defender we've ever had, it, it, arguably the greatest player we've ever had. So. He had to not only do that, he had to then go up and say, I have to play better than the best defender in American history to get on the field. And he somehow did that. As, as Eddie Pope became older, he passed that knowledge down to, to Gooch. Gooch passed it down to 
you know, John Brooks and those guys, these guys now need to take that mantle. And I think the issue that I have with this current player pool is that no one's willing to pick up that torch and say, guys, follow me. This is how it's going to work. This is how we play soccer here. And this is how we beat the rest of the world. Everyone else before that has had that mentality. They've passed something down, whether they're better or worse than the, than the generation before it, they've passed that knowledge down. And I think now, now that we have this young group that's trying to, you know, get into this player pool and establish a core, I want the core to, to do that. I want that core to go back to these older guys and say, Hey, how do we get this done? How, like, what is your mentality for getting this done? How do we work harder? How do we, you know, what are we missing? Because you can train at the best academies in the world, but it's not always, you know, look, how many people, you know, have come out of the Dortmund Academy? Millions. Well, I will say millions, but like thousands <laughs> of guys, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> not all thousands. Not all of them. Because somewhere along the line, they, they lost something or they didn't get that knowledge that they needed to take that next step. And it doesn't matter where you're coming from, what academy you're, you're brewing out of. Everyone needs that next step. And, they, and sometimes you need to look back before you can move forward. And I think that is where we're missing. Well, look, man, uh, I think if, if anyone's contributing to that handing down of the tradition, it's you. And, and we appreciate it. It's really meaningful to us that you would spend this time with us on this show. Um, and the, the last thing I would say is that given that story about uh, scoring 30 goals and also <laughs> just your general apparent intelligence, I would totally trot you out ahead of Giassi Zardes. I, well, look, I... I, we played, this is a fun story. I played uh, in France. We played at the uh, Equal Playing Field uh, initiative. They held what was uh, deemed the largest um, largest 5v5 game ever. Uh, we had 809 participants, uh, and me and a, like 10 uh, AO members, uh, we went out on the last day to participate and make history, basically break the r- world record. Um, so we had 10-minute shifts, and in that 10-minute shift, I had two goals, and I had an MLS hockey assist, and that MLS hockey assist was while I was playing goalkeeper. So, oh yeah, uh, I still got it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm got it like Josie or or, or someone or, or Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent might have it better than me. Um, Maybe he's, we'll he's 20, so he's he's younger than me. So that's not fair. But I still got it. I still got the speed. So if 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 Greg Berhalter needs me, I'm always at the games and I'm ready to go. Uh, just give me about 20 minutes to stretch longer than everybody else because I'm, you know, I'm older than most of the guys. Let's make this happen. January camp, anyone? Get Donaldson one time. Is is one of the greatest weekends of the year because it's usually in California. It's nice out and everyone's there to have a great time. And and the soccer is almost secondary because that is where you kind of build these relationships in the stands for the whole year. It's to set the tone. Um, So that'd be a great time to try me out. We always have an AO friendly there. That's usually where I live out my, my professional football dreams. Um, and by professional, I mean very amateur um, and very, very terrible uh, with my touch. But um, it's not as bad as some guys. So. Some guys. Some <laughs> certain MNT players. Some guys. I always say MNT. Like, hey, there were, some, there were some people who play for England who are awful, and they think they're great, and they're awful. So I need everybody in the world to be better at what they do. So... I want to, we want to let you go. I want to mention, um, you know, connected to what you said about, uh, being a visible person of color in the soccer world. I want to just tell you that that is meaningful to us. And it's, I think it's 
it counts to us that you're willing to go out there and say like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to allow myself to be known in that way because that isn't comfortable and it sucks that mm -hmm. you have to be in that position of like representing a group of people like that's, that's shitty. But, and the, you know, we identify this too because as Asian people who are involved in sports, let alone soccer, there's a paucity of representation uh, for us as well, both on the field and in the stands. Mm -hmm. And so, so, but when I think, you know, about that, that glorious future that you mentioned, uh, 2026, the, the stands that I see are a lot more of a diverse and inclusive place than they are now. So I want to just thank you for being a part of that movement, which I think is so important and just identify that, you know, it, it takes all of us to, to pitch in if we want that future to happen. And the, the team, you know, not only will it be a better experience for all of us, but imagine how good the team would be if we mm -hmm. were including everyone in this country instead of like 10% of the population in the, the formal systems that we have set up. And that, that's not just a racial thing. That, that cuts across every demographic. And there are yeah. millions of reasons why people get excluded from the system, whether it's from you know, just from the way that they look, the amount of money they have, the access they have, the networks they're in. And you know, all of us need to, to, to do better to, to make it happen. And so I, thank you for being a part of that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's my pleasure. It's not something that I, I, I didn't sign up for this because I'm black. I didn't sign up for this because I love this game and I love this team, um, all, of our, all of our teams. And so uh, I, I also feel a responsibility because, like, like you said, the, the, there's a lot of diversity in the American Outlaws. We have a lot of chapter leaders who are of color. We have yeah. a lot of chapter leaders who are women. Um, which is terrific. And, and I want the stands to reflect what we're seeing on the field, which is guys and gals who, who look like them. Um, and, and just even, it doesn't matter what field it is, whether it be the U S team, whether it be, you know, DC United, we have, you know, a lot of representation in MLS and, and USL, but I want to have it in the stands as well. And I want to make it so that people feel like when they come out, that there are people who are like them, who will welcome them and make it so that they can live out their dreams the same way as everybody else. So um, I, I, it's, it's not every day is sunshine and rainbows, but it, it means something. So, and, and so for that, I mean, you guys keep doing what you're doing because this is an important thing too, where you're spreading the game, whether you're, you know, how you're talking about it, um, people are listening. So that is, that is very important as well. And you guys need to keep doing that because we all, like I said, we all play a part in this. It takes a village to raise a child. And we're all raising a lot of children. It takes so. a village to raise Christian Pulisic. To be <laughs> it does. It, you know what? This this whole village is like, oh, so that's our son. Our son's playing for Chelsea now. Yes, it really does. So don't hurt Christian. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, if they swear to God, EPL. I am. I look to all of you in the EPL. All of you. I don't care what team you play for. I am a plane right away. I'm only six hours away. <laughs> It's going to happen. Don't believe, don't believe I have a whole plane behind me too. So <laughs> we're going to be watching. Like Dulles to London direct. Uh, direct. Coming for you. <laughs> right. All right, Donald. Thank you so much. Hang on the line with us for just two more minutes, but uh, thank you so much. We'll, we'll call it here. All right. Appreciate you guys. Woo!
thank you, Donald Wine. Oh, my Lanta like goes nice in the pantheon of discussions. Talking to this guy. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Well-spoken, smooth voice, not a bad face. Holy shit. Very dateable. <laughs> Solidly. <laughs> we did forget to ask him about his relationship status. That was a huge miss. Um, so, all right, folks, thank you so much uh, for joining us once again. Ty, any final thoughts here for the peeps? Uh, just thanks again to Donald. I mean, this is like, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud that we got to, to do this and talk to this guy who we've seen on TV a thousand times. <laughs> uh, it was, it was quite an honor. And yeah, I mean, he, he gave us very specific, clear instructions, right? Every, at every tier of involvement in, in the game, like what are we, what are we going to do to make things better? And nobody knows better than him. So I'm going to take his advice. Straight up folks. I quite like the internet it's awesome it, it, you can meet people you can talk to people you can read stuff you can learn stuff it's a fantastic uh little invention that we accidentally created and it's now fully out of our control uh, i also like xxx tentacion uh if you're not familiar with the rapper xxx tentacion uh look him up and be prepared to be potentially uh, a little bit off-put. He's an aggressive dude, but I like this guy. And uh, lastly, I totally love running blocks. You never, in, you know, as a regular citizen slash pedestrian, I never get the chance to just kick off some running blocks on my way, but I sure wish that I could when I'm trying to catch the bus, when I'm late for dinner, when I'm, tr when I'm thinking that something... That when I'm trying to avoid someone that I see down the street, I want some running blocks. But I don't love any of that shit as much as I love the Nats. Thank you, Donald Wine. I, I need him to Reggie me. <laughs> Reggie me away from my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> it's me, the people. It's way the people. It's way the people.